It's 12 and up. Season 11, episode 11. With your host, Jonathan Malone, and guest host, Jake Ownsby. Well Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Jake Owensby is the bishop of the Episcopal Church in western Louisiana. This podcast is brought to you by Chicory Tea and Sweater Vests. Now I know I'm old, but I really love my Chicory Tea and Sweater Vests. And by Eschatological Anticipation... Oh wait, it already happened. Well, so much for that. And we're back. Eschatological anticipation and chicory tea and sweater vests. I feel like all those sponsors kind of fit together nicely. They really do. They complement each other in ways that one might not have expected. Today, uh, you are going to hear the conversation I had uh, that has no bearing on chicory tea or sweater vest, but some bearing on eschatological inti- anticipation. Uh, the conversation I had with Jake Owensby. Uh, Jake wrote a book. Jake's written a number of books, and you should go check out some of the books he's written on jakeownsby.com. That's J-A-K-E-O-W-E-N-S-B-Y dot C-O-M. But the book that I talked about with Jake specifically is A Resurrection-Shaped Life. Uh, very, it was a really good book. I, I, quite, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and uh, Jake was kind enough to have a conversation with me about it, and this was, again, a couple months ago. I still have oh, at least one more book, one more um, episode in the queue that I need to edit and get through uh, so I can get it out to you because there's some good stuff out there. But that's not what's important right now. What is important is that you get all geared up for this conversation with, with Jake Owensby. So we talk about um, looking to the end, about relationships, about just a lot of really, really good things. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this conversation I had with Jake. I really enjoyed it, and I look forward to having him on the show again. Yeah, I think he did that well. So here it is, the conversation I had with Jake Owensby about the resurrection shaped life. I'm here with uh, Jake Ownsby. Jake, I don't know why your name, your last name keeps catching me, Ownsby. I want to put another syllable in there. Has there ever been another syllable in your last name? Uh, no, but people who are connected to me through, you know, those uh, websites where you can find out your ancestry uh, have dropped letters oh. or spelled it differently. Uh, Owen. 
uh, Owen B, Owens. Right. There are a lot of those people related to me, but because of how um, <laughs> disreputable I am, they changed their name. <laughs> well, I want to call you Owensby, but it's Owensby. Uh, and, Owensby and, yeah. and to be right and proper, but you are the right reverend Jake Owensby, the bishop of the Episcopal Church in western Louisiana. That is exactly right. Yes, those, those I am the, the right that... reverend Jake Owensby. That's, now, how does one become a right reverend? Well, we are a democratic polity, and okay. so every diocese will elect uh, their bishop, and, and that's done in two houses. There mm-hmm. are those who are ordained, and then there are the, the lay folk, and you have to get the majority in both those houses. Okay. And then you have to have a majority of what we call consents okay. from all the other dioceses, that's 110 of them, okay. in, in the Episcopal Church. Wow. And then, so if you're a bishop, you're just, you're immediately right reverend. Yes, yes, you are. You're um, you're elected, and then you're ordained to okay. the episcopate. Uh, so, at, at, you know, it, after you've gotten all this. That's the so. And then, if you retire as a bishop, are you then the left reverend? Uh, the leftover no. reverend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope someone's made that joke before because that was a cheap joke. That was a cheap joke. Well, you know, it's the first time, but I'm so glad that an American Baptist is teaching me things. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake, it's great to have you on the show. Um, we're going to start with you. You wrote. You've written a lot of books, from what okay. I've seen, and you're in the midst of writing another book. I am. Yes. Uh, well, yes. When, when we get near the end, I'll, I'll give you. Yeah, feel free to plug it. Um, to, so that people know what to look for. Cool. But, okay. but um, I know you have a great website, um, jakeownsby.com. We'll plug that too and put that on. The, but the book that I read, um, uh-huh. and this is from Mike Morrell. Mike Morrell keeps sending me books to read. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, sure. The Speakeasy. Oh, yes. and um, A Resurrection-Shaped Life. Uh, so, and then there's a colon because uh-huh. you're still academic, and that's what we yes, do, right? Yes, I am, for right? better or worse. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, dying and Rising on Planet Earth. Uh, so I, I, you know, I got to read this book and wrote a little review on it, you know, a little blurb uh-huh. for Amazon and the stuff. And then we corresponded a bit. And, and I want to say on the offset, it's a good book. It's a Thank really you. good book. I, I enjoyed Thank reading you. it. Uh, Thank you. And, and for my listeners, I encourage you to take a look at it, to read it. I especially recommend it for uh, Lenten study. Mm-hmm. I think there's, yes. you know, it's nicely set up with discussion questions in the end. And, and so if you were looking for something with your parishioners, um, but often during Lent, we focus on the suffering. Uh, and this, I think, really keeps a forward motion, that forward look towards the resurrection and says, what is it? How does this Easter moment that we're looking forward to shape our life? Um, obviously, you can do it as a study after Easter as well, but there's yes. something nice yeah. about not being so dark all the time during Lent. Well, thanks. And, you know, in part, that's the, that's the intention, too. I don't want us to forget right. in the midst of Lent that, that actually Lent's all about Easter. Lent is really ultimately a preparation for what the big message is. And the right. big message is we, we God keeps to sort of steal from Nadia Bolts Weber. You know, God keeps <laughs> reaching into whatever grave we dig ourselves and pulls right. us into your life. Uh, and to too often, I've experienced at least back when I was in the parish. Yeah, experienced people again and again and again, sort of wallowing in their sin. Mm. And, and I, I don't mean to demean anybody by putting it that way, but you know, you can get really 
um, paradoxically, mm-hmm. sort of narcissistic, but oh, well on how rotten a person you are. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I want to say to people, uh, God would say, don't talk about my child like that. Oh, that's you know? beautiful. Uh, because we are God's beloved children. And there's the, that's who we are as followers of Jesus, isn't it? I mean, what, how is it really a late breaking news story that human beings can screw up and be crummy to each other? That's no kidding. That's been, uh, since uh, those two brothers got in an argument. Pretty much. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so the, you know, the, the world winning, message that we have is yes and <laughs> yes yeah. and god shows up and it's a game changer yeah uh, there's, there's there is new life and and love doesn't stop love just persists and keeps at it and makes what seems flat as a pancake new and vital and alive again in a way you couldn't have predicted certainly been the case in my life jonathan i yeah. mean i you know, I wrote, uh, and I, um, I mean, I don't want to steal the interview from you, but no, I, it's all right. uh, you know, I wrote, as you can tell from a resurrection shaped life, I write a lot from not just interpretation of biblical passages, right. but from my life's experiences that I now interpret through the lenses of Jesus's love for me. Mm. Mm. And that changes everything. And, I share some of that stuff, some of that kind of hard yeah. stuff in yeah. a resurrection-shaped life. Uh, and um, I'm my intention, I think, probably in everything I'm doing when I write, is to help people see that loving, life-giving, liberating God right. at work in the midst of the mess that is their own life. I, I'm liberated by just thinking, okay, yeah, my life's a mess in one way or another. And that's pretty much what God knows, right. and that's what God's going to show up. And that's a—I mean—that's an interesting, a, a kind of a, a different, a nuanced look at, at the idea of grace, because mm-hmm. uh, we think mm-hmm. of—I mean, especially now Episcopalians. One of the reasons I love Episcopalians mm-hmm. is because they're not fully ensconced in one camp or another. They're you're yeah. Protestant, but not like evangelical Protestant, because right. there's still enough right. Catholicism in your. DNA or your roots, that kind of, so, but, but yeah. evangelical Protestants, uh, uh, Baptists and further on, we kind of, when we talk about grace, it's really like the kingdom. Grace saves me to the kingdom. Yeah. It's a, it's a very much, yeah. it's going to happen. Uh, you know, and Catholicism yeah. has a wonderful, like, you know, habitual grace that working out and such. And so that, you know, we'll mm-hmm. be, we'll be forming or living in or sanctification is another word for it. But what, the, what I really yeah. love about what you're suggesting is this whole new lens of seeing things. Mm-hmm. So not mm-hmm. only are you changed, but the world is changed um, yes. through your eyes. Yes. Uh, which is, yes. That, that's a, that's a very beautiful way of thinking about it. Well, thank you. And, you know, I think um, not only is it absolutely yes to everything you've just oh, said. Oh, good. Is, it, uh, we can stop. I mean, once a guest agrees with me, I'm good. Oh, That's good. all I you need. Could, like, put that on social media. <laughs> yeah. I am agreed with, right? I, yeah. <laughs> and you're done. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> Jake agreed with me, so success. No, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> you know, one of the things I'm... Uh, thinking about these days, and I wrote about in Resurrection Shaped Life, but in building on in, in this next book, 
is that we as uh, followers of Christ are not only seeing the world differently, which is absolutely crucial, because that's what allows us to see another person as a new creation, maybe even before they can even see it. Right, right. But I think... You know, we're, uh, to use the, the sort of the distinction between empire and kingdom for a minute, mm. you know, we're not going to just get rid of empire tomorrow. It's not going to happen. Right. But we right. as Christians, because we've got this idea of grace, we're leaven. We're the resistors. Mm. And we're, we're what keeps the whole thing from just collapsing in on itself. Which is not to say that we're in our lifetimes going to be victorious somehow, like we're going right. to bring the kingdom. Man, have we got an important role to play right now. Can't you see it? I mean, lots of my friends. Yeah. And of course, it depends on who you're reading and who you connect with in social media and everything. But lots of my friends are really burdened by uh, the detention centers on our southern border, for yeah. example. Yeah. The rise of uh, white supremacy across the country, uh, the, the, uh, resurgence of authoritarianism across the West, right. just really burdened by that. It feels like we're collapsing back. Yeah. Into something. Oh, we defeat it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm finding renewed hope in the idea that, you know, we are, um, we're not guaranteed Sort of an old-fashioned notion of progress, right? But by golly, we're going to get there, and there's no looking back. Hmm. Uh, we are called into a world in which we continue to be sort of to retool Camus for a minute, rebels. Hmm. You know, we're the ones who are saying, "Hey, it, it, right. it, life really isn't about coercion. Right. Life really is about success." Right. Uh, life's about love and co- uh, and compassion and uh, pouring yourself out as a libation, and that's pretty counter empire stuff. Right. It can tell on you, right? I yep. mean, you get yourself crucified that way. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's how our leader ended up. In, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. But that I'm, I find that um, personally, you know, mm-hmm. for me. Like, I find that um, animating and encouraging. Hmm. It helps me to persevere in a time that at points, um, I know a lot of my friends feel like they're stumbling away in the dark. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I think a word like that's necessary right now. Right. Let's, keep, let's keep going, folks. Um it's it's uh, it ain't over till it's over, and it's not going to be over. We right. can keep going. So you know, another. I'll tell you another point. I, you yeah. know who our presiding bishop is, Michael Curry. Have you heard that name before? Yes, I have. I have. You know, he was the wedding preacher. Right, for the, right. Yeah, the great that, that amazing sermon. Yeah. Well, he's he's a great inspiration to me, and he's um, you know a friend, uh, but also my uh, spiritual leader. Hmm. He's the first African-American presiding bishop of right. the Episcopal Church. And I think a great voice in the United States at, at present. And he's got a, a, a book out, uh, uh, Songs About Grandma Taught Me, or something mm. like that. Of course, they're African-American spirituals. Right. Uh, and the 
what the African American community teaches me, you know, I'm white. I'm, you know, I've got yep. white privilege sort of flowing out my ears, right? <laughs> um, and what the African American community teaches me is that, man, yeah, you're disappointed by the way things ha- turned out right now. We've been living with this and persevering right. through it, right? For centuries. So, I mean, one, yeah, one of the things I think that I really appreciated about your book was your treatment of suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's one place where I got a little bit squeamish, and I'll get to that. Not squeamish, oh, like, oh, okay. how dare you? But, um, yeah. you know, a yeah. little bit of a worry. But overall, I mean, so... And, and every, anytime I talk to people who, actually, who uh, wrote books, I make sure to give page numbers so you know that I actually read the book. Oh. Um, <laughs> you know, these, are my, these are my own neuroses coming out yes. so that you know yes. that I did... I did read it. I did, really. Uh, no, and... Uh, um, you know, on, on 23, this is like page 22, 23 for the people reading along at home. Um, but right, but this is your section on the meaning of suffering. And, and I think there, yeah. there's some really beautiful stuff in there. But you talk about um, we are all baptized into solidarity with each other's suffering and hunger for new life. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and I heard a lot. I heard a bit of a, like a um, liberation theology with the with the idea yeah. that it's the suffering of the cross through the suffering of the cross we know that Christ is with us in our suffering. Yes. But I, yes. I really appreciate how you're also pulling those of us who may not be suffering as much to say you need to also be relating with the suffering of others. Yes. Yes. By golly, you did read this book. I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I noticed that you're a hiker. Um, yes, yeah. And, um, and, you know, I live in a wooded area. Oh, uh, nice. You know, in Louisiana, and my wife and I walk each day. And, Fantastic. Um, I, as we were walking uh, yesterday, uh, I recalled scenes from the movie A Private War. I don't know if you know that. No, I haven't seen that uh, movie. Or not. It's about the war correspondent. Who, who was killed uh, in Syria. Okay. And um, I'm afraid her name has just flown out of my head, but right. it's a great movie. And there are scenes, you know, it wasn't at Aleppo that she was killed, but it was in another uh, city that was equally uh, ravaged by right. uh, Syrian forces. Right. And you know what those pictures were like from Aleppo is yeah. that uh, you're, it looked like Berlin in 1945. Wow, yeah. Yeah. No recognizable streets even because rubble scattered from bombed out buildings, huh? Right. I was walking through a beautiful longleaf pine forest, Mm -hmm. listening to birds, not a single motor to be heard Mm. anywhere. Ah. I mean, really, you know, the kind of thing that uh, is just a gift. I mean, it's it's just a gift to be in a place where God's kind of easy to see. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, by golly, right? Yep. Uh, and I, at that moment, realized, okay, I can allow myself to be detached here mm. from the real life suffering that is at this moment occurring there. Right. Or, or right. I could just be depressed as to be and miss this beauty. Right. Or somehow or another, I've got to encompass all of that in the life that I live. Mm. If I'm, if I, I'm at once appreciative of this beauty and peace 
and tranquility that I'm uh, imbibing, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and yet, at the same time, not to allow that to insulate me mm -hmm. from God's children who are suffering in ways, you know, that Jonathan and I find incomprehensible. Right. I mean, I, I can hardly allow myself to even think about it without getting kind of verklempt, you know? Right, right. And um, so I, I don't have all that worked out in my head, mm -hmm. really, about how to write about it or how to, yeah. how to talk about it. But it seems to me that the fullness of Christ in our lives takes us into that place. That's both the dying and the rising. You know, you can't, I can't become so guilt-ridden hmm. that I'm not in Aleppo. Right. Uh, that I don't experience the living Christ in the midst of the creation. Right. And yet at the same time, I can't become so triumphalistic. Right. Right. Or, right. Or, or secluded from the rest of humanity that I forget in the midst of that, that, um, well, uh, no man is island, right? I mean, it's right. We're all in this together. Um, and so sort of to tie that all up, it's only going to make sense to me, man, if the resurrection is a part of that story. And, and, and that sounds I mean, that's really important because um, hope can be very offensive for those who are suffering. Yes. Uh, you know, so yeah. if, if I go, if I do a mission trip, which which I do a, a lot with church folks and stuff, and we're with people mm -hmm. and they're suffering, and I say, you're going to be okay. It's going to be going to be all right. And then yeah. I leave. That's an offensive kind of hope. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, I, but, but there's something about yeah. when you're aware of God's presence in the midst of that, and to say, I know you're suffering, and I want to be with you in your suffering in the best way that I can yeah. be that doesn't add yes. to your suffering. And, and I can only yeah. do that with an awareness of how God is active amongst us all. And I hear you that I, I'm right there with you with trying to bring that to a place where you can really articulate it well is really we're getting into the mystical stuff now. Yeah, we really are, aren't we? I mean, it's that sort of Richard Rohr universal Christ stuff. Yeah. Because Christ is in the midst of both the beautiful and and the heart bending. Yeah. And it's only the cross that for me, Jonathan, it's only the cross that's helped me to talk about how Christ could be in that heart rending suffering stuff. And yeah, that's that liberation theology stuff. Right. Right. Um you know though, I and I wish I could remember this I read this book years ago. Um It was Paul Tillich. if you don't remember it, just say Tillich probably wrote it. Oh, okay, Tillich, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was a Roman Catholic priest, actually. Oh, okay. And it definitely the wasn't Tillich. Roman priest gave me, that, gave me the book years and years ago. We had, in fact, I was writing my dissertation in Germany, and, and mm. he happened to be uh, visiting um, Paris and interviewing Foucault, of all people. Oh. And, and uh, he and I met there, and my wife was with me, and we had a great conversation. And he sent me this book that's a meditation on um, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Hmm. And this priest that wrote the book had um, had cancer of the throat and oh. lost the capacity to speak. Mm. And it's in that experience yeah. that he came to to take hold of the of Christ on the cross as the place to find hope. Interesting. It's, it's in his suffering, right? Well, and 
um, spiritual. You know, for a priest or a preacher right. to have no voice <laughs> is a big deal. Right? It could be – some may see it as a blessing. Well, there <laughs> <laughs> I've been told that about me. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it, in that, you know, I started, and it was years ago, so I've right. been on this long journey. I'm a, I'm a slow learner, a late bloomer. Uh, I'm just groping for yeah. how to get my head, heart, and mind around all of, of that. Um well, and that kind of gets yeah. to the place where I got a little bit anxious while reading about suffering was uh-huh. just was just a couple pages later. And it was, it was really, it was like, again, for those following along at home, uh, 25 and 26, yeah. where you talk about, you know, suffering uh, becomes meaningful when endured for the sake of the higher purpose for which our lives are devoted. Yes. Um, and, and, and you do. And I think it's good. You also say a little bit later, our aversion to I like this. Our aversion to suffering has infected Christianity. I think mm-hmm. that's that's really great. And, yeah. and I heard some yeah. Calvin in that some good Calvin, like we should be suffering and working harder. Uh, there's all. Yikes. Yeah. Right? You didn't know Calvin was so influential, did you? Well, actually, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a there is. The, there's a little of something in in uh, a little of everything in. Uh, it's uh, in the water. You can't avoid yeah, it. You it can't. Is. It's but in the water. but there's always that the, there's always the worry of the idea of redemptive suffering. Yeah. Um, you know. So I know when when Pope John Paul II, um, his when his Parkinson's was getting more and more pronounced, he said, "Let my suffering be a model." And I thought, well done. Mm-hmm. You know. I, and mm-hmm. I think he I think that for him came out of a really a place of sincerity. Yes. And, and there's beauty in that. My yes. worry is always, and, I, and I'm sure you've heard this as well, you know, mm-hmm. what about um, the partner or spouse in an abusive relationship? Oh, yes. Right? And yeah. says, well, this suffering yeah. will lead to um, God's glory. And you uh, say, no, don't. No, that's not okay. You know, so in, in those places where yeah. power is not a part of it or, you know, that's, and, and I, you know, I don't think you went that far. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't. So this is not really. This isn't a critique at all. Uh, you right, right. Yeah. Um, but it's always whenever I hear, whenever I read about redemptive suffering, that's yes. in the back of my mind to say there are moments when you need to say no. This suffering is unjust, and it should stop. And I need to work to make it to 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 make it stop. Or I, you know, or me as a as a as an yeah. ally of sorts, I need to step in to say this suffering is not okay. How can I be? How can I be a positive part of ending that suffering? Yes, and you know, I think I think that not only Jake Owensby, but the but the, the Christian faith from the very beginning mm. had to struggle with that. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, as weird an idea as it is for us right now, I mean, people were kind of lining up to be martyrs there for a while. I know, you know, near that was a and crazy the, time, right? Yeah, and so uh, leaders in the church had to say, "Look, nice thought, but." <laughs> <laughs> um, th- this is not how that works. That's not right. what that. That's not what redemptive suffering looks like. Right. Right. The um, and I don't know. I don't know that I have an easy right key to give anybody. It should be I, hard. It really should be a hard thing to figure out. It should be. Uh, you know, as the the son of a, a mother who was terribly abused by right. her husband and, and um, witness to yeah. that, 
um, I'm, you know, I'm really glad you brought that up because mm. I wouldn't want anybody to read those passages and let that be part of the toxic mix that keeps them in an abusive home. Right. I'll tell you, one, even verbal abuse is a no, no. Right. You know, that's, you know, that's, uh, and maybe I go too far because of my own Hmm. family system stuff. But what I would say is there's only one strike with that. Yeah. You 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 leave the house. Yeah. You make me leave the house. Um, Because of my own experiences. um, Right. Some of which I share in the book. Um, I just have zero tolerance for that. Right. So I'm really glad you gave me a, ch- a chance to, to talk about this with you. Oh, yeah. But, you, know, you know, I um, – one of the things I believe – in a later chapter, you know, I talk about forgiveness and right. reconciliation. Yeah. Um, I love what Lewis Smeets once said. Uh, you know, he wrote – the same book about forgiveness about 25 times. And, and, <laughs> well, when you find uh, a hook, you stay with it, right? And you do. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, he said, just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you have to give them their job back. Right. And I, I did a riff on that just yesterday talking to my wife. And this is probably not very nice. Uh, <laughs> but I said, just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you're ever going to trust them or like them again. Yeah. There's a difference between yeah. forgiveness and reconciliation. Hey, and you you speak to that a little bit. Actually, that was one of the other notes I wrote down about the idea of, of, of reconciliation. You, you call it a restoration of a shattered relationship. Yes. But if it's a shattered yeah. relationship, those breaks are always going to be there. Yeah, man. It doesn't matter how good the glue is you're using. You're going to see the fractures and the breaks. Yes. Um, yes, I, you I, are. Yeah, another theologian. I cannot remember his name, but I'm I'm not going to take credit for this. He I heard him in a lecture use the term tragic reconciliation. Oh, that's a good turn of phrase, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and his point yes. was that you know you may re- bring the relationship back, but there will always be a scar. Yes, and so that will yeah. always be in the background, and and it's you know, and he says, and that's part of the reconciliation we need to live with. Yes. Which is hard. Yes. Yes, it is hard. I think, you know, that you say scar. And I don't know that I mentioned that in this particular book. Um, my, uh, I think I mentioned in a previous book, my daughter, uh, Meredith, mm-hmm. uh, she's in her mid-20s. And uh, as a toddler, she had open heart surgery. Okay. And so um, scars have taken on... Um, mm. the role of theological reflection possibilities. Yeah. Me. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, and so she's healed, but there's a scar. Right. You know, and today I'm not sure they would even have to do open heart. I don't know. They, uh, heart surgery has really progressed. I'll try to get. Really I'll good. try to get a pediatric cardiac surgeon on as my next guest, and I'll just ask them. Oh yeah, there you go. That's, yeah. Yeah, I'll find yeah, out. That's but, a good idea. Yeah. But, It'll be all know, we have to talk about. Like, okay, thanks for being on. <laughs> yeah, really. the short segment. Right, right. Um, but that remind that the idea of scars, uh, and yet they're not disfiguring. Right. Uh, Help me understand the Thomas episode yes. uh, after the resurrection. Right. Uh, and what was Thomas seeing and wanting to touch? What was he really asking to see? Right. And 
And my, you know, I hate calling him Doubting Thomas. <laughs> and, and I think, I think he, you remember before the Lazarus event, mm-hmm. Thomas is the one that said, well, we may as well go die with him. Right. Which is pretty really? strong. Yeah. There's depth to this guy, right? Yeah. I think he wanted proof not, uh, you know, for reasons perhaps others have thought. I think he wanted to see that resurrection really meant what Jesus said it meant. Right. And it meant that all that stuff you've been through, man, it counts. It matters. And that's what God is going to make meaningful. So that's. You know? Yeah, I, I was just I was I was kind of thinking, and then I stopped thinking and started listening better, which is what you know. And um, but I was wondering, like, do you think we'll still have our scars after the resurrection? If we if we yeah. hold to that, I still have to hold to in one semblance or another a literal resurrection. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, the metaphor just loses its power when the suffering becomes too great. You bet. That's yep. um, so yep. a, a robust es- eschatology of sorts. So, mm-hmm. But will we still have our scars? And on one hand, I want to say no, because God makes all things new. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, based on just what you were saying, I would say yes, because there, it, yeah, like you said, it all, it, like uh, the, the who we are matters. Yes. And if it, God doesn't, yeah. and if it doesn't matter, then, you know, what am I doing? I mean, yeah, that's like, so, so maybe yeah. the scars stay. Yeah. And you know, for us on on this side of eternity, right? Yeah. For us, a scar can be disfiguring, certainly. Right. Right. Yeah? And the the power of the resurrection, uh, and I know that this is a metaphorical way of talking about a deep mystery. Right. 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 Yeah. Where, you know, this is not like a scientific formula. Right. Uh, but the one way that I understand the resurrection is that the scars are are the emblem, anyway. Of, of what God is about, and they're no longer, you know, the wonderful Charles Wesley hymn, those glorious tokens of his passion. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, with what rapture we will gaze upon those glorious scars, right? They're not scars anymore. Now they're tokens of the love of God. And, they're, and, and instead of our, you know, what we would say when Jesus came down from the cross, looking <clears throat> at, at those terrible wounds, Right. Would, wouldn't have said anything. We would have wept, yeah? Right. And instead, what Thomas, in my imagination, said was a good anlama. Oh, wow. Right? You right. Know, it was how gloriously beautiful beyond words that is. Mm. Uh, is that, you know, is that just a metaphor? Sure. Can you be the victim of a metaphor? You that. Yeah. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, mystery is beyond reason's capacity to capture it. We're not really going to be able to find the words to express mm. the glory, mm. the beauty, and the love of this eternal, infinite God. Uh, we'll keep, you know, right, right, right. It, but it's always going to be more than we got because we're, I had a student once that said, God's really, really big and we're really, really little. Well, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, but also no, because God is also in the small. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And what a mind-blowing mystery that is. Right? Yeah. I mean, the yes, that God is in the small in Jesus. Right. God is in the small in the hummingbirds that I watch at the feeder outside right. my uh, kitchen window uh, and and everything in between. And and. Whatever those subatomic particles are called, I'm not a physics guy. Oh, I don't know. I, yeah. 
We'll call them subat- you know? atomic particles. Quarks, maybe, or there's something Quarks. even smaller <laughs> now. And yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. can't keep up. Electrons is <laughs> as far as I can get. Yeah, <laughs> electrons are small enough. That's small, small enough. enough. Why? They're why look enough. for anything smaller? What's the point? <laughs> we found it. We're done. <laughs> we found it. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> the, I. That the the mystery is such an important corrective to everything we're talking about. Because even you know, yeah. going back to yeah. that suffering and, and the beauty of of the the marks of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. There there is a, yeah. a there is a history of misusing that within the medieval tradition. Um, yes. and, you know, and I you know I know Francis. You know, or for those of you who are Saint Francis, you know, I think yeah. he did get a stigmata, stigmata right? He did, yes. Right, yes. and thought it was a beautiful thing. I would have thought, oh yes. my gosh, you have an open sore for the rest of your life. Why would you want yeah. that? Uh, yes, yes. It, and there's something about saying with a certainty, this is what it means to have the marks. This <laughs> is what it means to see real beauty in the scars. But rather yes. say, we look and there's beauty and I can't explain how. Yes, yeah. Well, you know, I am uh, constitutionally okay with that. That, oh, fantastic! That, uh, and so forth, and 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 being an Episcopalian, right? Uh, I'm a good fit for that kind of thing. That's how <laughs> we are. Yeah, uh, but I understand how anxious that makes some folks. Yeah, uh, and I think, and I, I may be going sort of off the rails of our conversation a little bit. No, go I ahead. Critical of anybody, um, but I will express a concern about some of our fellow Jesus followers. Um, they really <laughs> like. Getting the final meaning, the final answer. Yeah. Well, you, and, were t- you, you know, were, and, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. And, and, and I'm, uh, I get that. I understand. Right. I understand the anxiety that openness brings, but I also invite folk into the joy and the wonder and the mystery of that openness. And, and I want to stay with this a bit. You were saying before we started recording about. Um, some of the, the characteristics of being Episcopalian. Yeah. And, and yeah. I want to, could you share that again about the conversation? Sure. Cause that was, that was beautiful. Sure. I, you know, um, it, I'll tell a story. Um, okay. when I was in seminary, I went to the university of South Swanee, uh, yeah. up in Tennessee, right. Beautiful place. And there's a, there's a thing that the, the middler class, the second year class right. uh, does, in surprise of the, the, the junior or first year class. Right. And they'll interrupt a class and they'll all come marching in and they'll, they chanted, we're all in this together. And they, you know, we Anglicans have Anglican chant and they did it that way just because, (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's what we're like. And so, um, and, and there's the, there's this key for us, Mm. the theological and spiritual process Right is 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 done in first person plural, is done as we is done oh, as community. Nice. That's our Benedictine stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We are in conversation with one another. We are in worship with one another, and opening up to the mystery together. Right. Um, we we don't just find it all individually on our own. Right. We are always doing that together and testing the spirits, as it were. Together. So, for example, the the ordination process in the Episcopal Church, right? Uh, the discernment process, as we refer to it, is uh, discernment by community. Yeah, uh, it involves internal uh, movings by the Spirit, right? And yet, 
that needs to be echoed in ever broader circles of the community um, that makes one rather vulnerable, as you might imagine, right? I mean, you're, you're in conversation with broader and broader circles of folks right. about what we hear God doing in your life, and what does that tell us about what we hear in our own lives? So it's always this back and forth. So things like um, the simple things, in really in a way, like liturgical expression, Mm-hmm. That, uh, it's not simple for us. We get into big fights about it. Uh, <laughs> or for that matter, you know, we uh, marriage equality is right. something we discerned together. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ordination of women, uh, ordination of women to the priesthood, to the episcopate, all of that we discerned together. It doesn't mean it was easy right straight along, right? right. It right. means we were committed to this community of people. Trusting that we stretch back hundreds upon hundreds of years, it's that community continuing the conversation. Right. We are always listeners first. That's what we are first. Mm. We don't come in banging away about a position that we've got. We may have dearly held beliefs, and we do. Yeah. But we always remember a hope and humility that we're in this together. We're bringing different perspectives mm-hmm. that we need from one another, uh, and that never stops. We keep doing that. Yeah. And so it's theological and spiritual truth uh, is always alive. You know, it's the living Word of God, right? <clears throat> right, uh, yeah. Did that make sense? That, no, that, that, makes makes a, that makes a lot of sense, and that— that listening and discerning together, I think, does should hopefully leaves an openness. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure some of the friction comes when people say, "Well, I who I'm open, but there are certain things I have to hold to." Yes, and and, yes, and, and I think we all have that. There yes, are, I, I, yeah, yeah, we all have lines that we say, "This is a line I won't cross." Yes, yes. You know, isn't it like marriage in a way? I mean, or any really deep relationship you've got. Yeah. There is a dynamic uh, between uh, belonging in which you give mm-hmm. yourself away, to put it mo- in a most extreme way. Right. And yet, at the same time, you need self-differentiation. There right. is a yin and yang to that. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, you can simply lose yourself. Um, I, somebody, you know, I when I, I got my PhD in philosophy and we were trained in the history of philosophy. And so one of the things we learned was to really genuinely understand any other thinker was to be able to argue persuasively their position right. that disagrees with you. Right, right, right. Uh, and, but it also meant your ability, and this is the phrase I was going to use, that you have the ability to not go native. You know, that you mm. you could do that, but then still retain who you are. Right. So, enough so that you could step back out and say, I've really understood that other. I mean, I've gone as far as I can go uh, as a listener, but here I have to differentiate it. Right. That's not who I am, right? Uh, so that sort of stuck with me like yeah. forever. Uh, and I think it's very much at our best, and we're not always at our best. Right. Of values. Um, at our best, that's who we are. We're finding ways to be together. And we, you know, it's like you really, right? What, 
what's the one thing we're going to agree on or we're really kind of eating at a different banquet? Well, it's Christ. Right, right. That's what we've got Christ in common. Yeah. Right? We're at Christ's dinner party. But and uh, and there's a lot of similarities with the American Baptists with what you were been mm-hmm, saying. As mm-hmm. a people, we try to say we we focus on church autonomy, so each uh-huh. church is free to discern who they are as a people, and and then mm-hmm. individual soul freedom. Yeah. So you know a little yes. more enlightenment and influence there, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but but still that and it's that tension continues where some people there have been times when there's been groups that say we need to take a stand and others have said no 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 don't take a stand because that'll yes. just divide us. Um, yes. Yes. We have that too. Believe yeah. Me. Oh yeah. We really. Yeah. We yes. all. Almost everyone does except for those really strong top-down hierarchical churches and even those still have dissident groups that remain within to try to change in their own way yeah yes well you know richard Rohr uh, says i think i'm going to get this phrase right uh that the franciscan way and i resonate with that Mm -hmm. the franciscan way is to be on the inside of the outside or the outside of the inside or something like that right right Uh, so in other words they're the minority view that's there's but they're not the outside critics right they're the they're the ones on the that are on the edge right right still on the inside and uh, I really resonate with that uh, honestly um, for better or for worse um, that there's you need gadflies yep right you need yeah them. you do Sometimes and, I'd rather not in my own congregation. I would say, can I just, yeah. can you can just all just agree with me just yeah. on this one? <laughs> hear that. Yeah. Just, well, just go with me on this them, Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need them, but I don't need them. Really. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I send them to a different church. No, but even in actually there are people that, you know, and I tell them, I say, it's so good you're here because you keep me honest. Yes. That's, yes. Because we're, we're, yeah, we still are flawed, limited human beings. Yes. To a certain yeah. degree, but yeah. but that idea of inside outside brings it back already to the point you made earlier that we are to be the leaven in the world as Christians yeah. more broadly. Yeah. Yes, and and I think that's so hard for us to do, or, or not so hard. It, it's challenging for us um, in the United States of America mm. because it's mm. such a Christian dominated culture. Yes, to be yes, able to separate ourselves and to say no, we are eleven when we're no longer seen as the small minority. We are not the small minority in the yes. majority. Yes. Well, you know, Jonathan, I think that you've really touched what I am perceiving, at least, as mm. one of our great struggles right now Yeah. as, as Christians. Yeah. Uh, and that is that it, it's, we are um, dominated by our culture as Christians. Right. I don't mean by that um, perhaps what some would mean. I mean, um, and I, I, you know, I, I don't like to criticize other ways of being Christian, but uh, so I want to be cautious about that. Okay. But I don't think, uh, for instance, well, I, I'm gonna. I guess I'll end up being critical. So <laughs> apologies, right uh, beforehand, and you gotta love me anyway if you're Christian. Uh, <laughs> the uh, you know, believing, and this is where the suffering thing comes in, I think, mm-hmm. believing that um, 
faith in Jesus guarantees us health and wealth. Prosperity gospel. Yeah. Oh, criticize I that. Think, That's uh, I, I outright call it heresy. Yeah, I think it's heresy too. I think, but I think that that it, see we're infected by a consumerist culture. Yes, we are. Right? Um, and we we have um, some of us have convinced ourselves that uh, that God's on our side. We're kind of the new Israel, and we're going to go. Um, uh, on the, mm. the the victory trail with Jesus, right? right? And uh, it, our idea that somehow or another um, our exercise of military power right. in uh, um, the service of American economic values is right. somehow or another Christian. Right. Is is I think hurting our ability to disseminate a message of hope that we desperately need in the United States right now. It, and in yeah. fact, that's a shameless plug for the next book, by the way. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> because I think we are. I think you know. I think we're in. If you read around like um, various books these days, that people are talking about having a crisis of meaning, and I think of it as a crisis of hope. Right. I think we're not really going to be able to speak the Jesus hope message until mm-hmm. we get that message right. Yeah. You know? And, and yeah, and, and part of that challenge is so I look at, you know, on, on the more rightward leaning Christian folks, there is that kind mm-hmm. of military, militaristic victory aspect. Yes. On the yes. more leftward leaning Christian folks, there can also is a, a militaristic victory aspect, but it's just in yes. a different so we have to have, have our political yes. victories and we've got to make sure yes. people fall to and and what I hear I don't yes. know if you're completely going this way, but to say I, I'll go this way to say to a degree both sides have it wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, part mm-hmm. of and, and my struggle is that, you know, I, I resonate with your um, with the idea of like, you know, the detention centers happening yeah. on the southern border. I thought that is so unjust and that is so yeah. unchristian and inhumane. Yes. That yeah. we have to do everything we can to stop it. Yes. And I've immediately fallen into this us or them and I've created winners and losers. I created victories and losses. Right? So yeah. now I'm immediately into that same kind of thinking. Yes. Yes. So it's it's I, I don't know a good answer for it. I, I do know that again going back to the idea of the mystery. And mm-hmm. to say, I don't know the right answer. I don't know where, I don't know what, you know, where, what the final result is. But I know right now that there's a child in a cage and that's not right. So I'm going to try to save that child from that cage. Yes. And maybe that, yeah. maybe that's where we go step by step. I don't know. I really don't have a good answer for this. And, you know, I don't either. I think that um, there's a, I, I'll, I'll use a, um, an example from from Hegel. Um, oh, good! Bring in Hegel. Philosophy days. Yeah. So for the next fifteen minutes, this will all be incomprehensible. The, uh, <laughs> it's it's all going to be thesis antithesis. That's and, really and guys, is, right? that's that's the answer. Uh, but go ahead. <laughs> there's a uh, he writes in 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 one of his books, Phenomenology of Spirit. He writes about the master slave dialectic. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, that's probably about the only piece of that book I understood. But um, <laughs> he points out that at one stage in the development of consciousness, um, you know, there's a revolt 
Mm-hmm. The slaves overthrow the masters, but all that happens is that they become the new masters. Right, right. And, the, and a real advance is when you eliminate the category of master and slave completely. Right. Where, where we move to a place where we don't see us them. Uh, and I think actually that's what Jesus is getting at when he's saying, love your enemies. Yeah. You know, it's more than just, well, we'll have enemies, but we'll love them anyway. Right. It's, you know, to say love your enemy deconstructs, to use an old-fashioned term, sure. uh, dissolves that whole way of ordering the world. Right. But that's as far as I've got with it. I mean, yeah. I mean uh, right? You know, it's it's almost I I do think there is this aspect of, you know, so Howard Austin Willimon over 25 years ago now wrote Resident Aliens. Yes. And that really spoke to a lot of mainline Protestant folks. It's like, oh, I guess we're not the majority anymore. Um, You know, there's another book about creative minority. I think there's this idea of saying, let's stop trying to be the cultural force that we think we are. Let's try to be a minority cultural minority so that we can have more impact yes. uh, or at least more on th- authenticity in our impact. Yes. And then, and then also let's have a robust eschatology to say, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can make a change that will, you know, I don't, I can't really think so much about specific political agendas to push. I can mm-hmm. think more about participating in the coming of the kingdom or the presence of the kingdom in the here and now or, so, you know, whatever, yes. however, yeah. whatever esca- eschatological terminology makes the most sense for you mm-hmm. I mean that or you know you broadly construed i mean that seemed i don't know for me that's a direction that i feel pulled towards mm-hmm. in response mm-hmm. and i know it's frustrating because part of me always says but i should be doing more but then there's yeah. that also that other sense of like but you, you can't and so live with what you're doing and it's okay i mean maybe that's, that's- that kind of like I'm walking in the beauty of the Lord and also being aware of the suffering of others that's happening all throughout the world and, and also enjoying the beauty of the Lord at the same time. And I've got to stay yeah. in that tension. Yeah, and it, and staying in the tension is – I'm with you on that. Nice. I, I, and, and it is tension. Yeah. You know, I mean it really, really is. Because, you know, I mean I'll describe my, my present context this way. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, you can tell from my voice, I'm Southern. I've always been Southern. Uh, I get Southern culture. I mean, I yeah. really, really get it. Now, Louisiana's a different take on it, and Southern <laughs> is not just one thing. Right, right. But, uh, but you know, here in Louisiana, uh, most people are conservative Republicans. Right. Uh, and and it, it, as you can tell by my conversation with you, I'm not one of those. Uh, shocking. Shocking, yeah. right? Uh, and, but lots and lots of Episcopalians are here. Right. Uh, and so uh, I daily, in being the spiritual uh, leader mm-hmm. of these people, right. am in that tension. Yeah. Right? I don't, you know what? Sometimes I, I fantasize. Wouldn't it be great if I could view the people who disagree with me as my enemies? Uh, yeah. But, you know, no, because we have communion together every week. Yeah. You should at we, least, yeah. The Baptists, we do it once a month, so I could be angry yeah. at them for three weeks a month. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> just that last and month, I'm like, all right, all right, we'll get ready. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you what was really and I think this is this says so much good about the people I serve here in Louisiana. Yeah, 
2015, I voted in favor of marriage equality at our general convention, which is our national synod kind of thing. Right. Right. Now, you know, that puts me in a minority of people here in Louisiana, of right. course. Uh, and some people did get mad and left the church and, and said mean things. Uh, but, you know, a lot and a lot of them said, thank you. You know, nobody's done this for us before. Wow. Is, yeah. But the thing, but, you know, I expected all of that. Let me tell you what was really terrific. The people who disagreed said, you know, you're a real jerk, but you're our jerk. No. Oh. That's that family thing. You're we're it is you're, that we're in the thing. conversation together. We're going to keep yeah yeah. yeah that, you know what? The, our relationship with you hmm. is what definitive, and we're going to yeah okay. Here's a tension point in our relationship. Right. Yeah, you are for marriage equality. You, this is this is not something that that we would have voted for in that way. Right. But you know we know that you're for us, and we want you to know that we're for you. And and uh, wow, yeah, right. And where do a, you find that in the universe? Uh, well, in our current political climate, where this won't get published, this won't go out for about a month or two. Um, mm-hmm. But right now, we're in the midst of um, center back rants, you know, yes. chants at, at rallies. Right. So divisive. Right. So you don't agree with us, therefore you're not one of us. Yes. And and the yeah. the beat modeling that we you saw in Louisiana was totally different from your people saying. We disagree with you, but you're still one of us. Yes, and that's I, right. And I imagine the, the resurrection hope is that there'll be a time when we recognize that anyone who is a child of God, which is everyone, um, mm-hmm. is one of us. Yes, and that that is my res- at the center of my resurrection hope, because we're all in Christ. Yeah, and that that I mean, that's who we are most fundamentally. Yeah. It is our relationship with the risen Christ that makes us who we are. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, that's a heck of a struggle as we go our day to day, about our day to day. Yeah, business. it is. Um, and and there will be flashpoints. And, and, and it, you know, there was Charlottesville earlier. There's, uh, you know, there the send, uh, send her back chance now. And right. there will be something else yeah. in two weeks. Yeah. Um, it, but the not lose sight of that core, you know, I don't really want to say belief. I really want to say something stronger, truth, right? right? Yeah. Uh, to not lose sight of that, but not also turn it into a kind of a bromide that's becomes right. sort of syrupy, right. unicorn, moonbeams stuff. I hear you. Yep. Uh, that, to do that work. You know, another thing, uh, you know, here, I don't know if you get a lot of Confederate flags in your area. Um, no, not. If you do, yeah. they probably mean something different from what they do here. It's but, mostly ignorance when you see them here. Yeah, yeah. And here, it's, you know, I'm not going to say it's about Southern culture because it's not. I right. mean, it's, like, I'm Southern. I grew up Southern. My great-grandfather lost a leg in the Civil War mm. Confederate unit. I mean, it's, so I've got the cred to be able to say what I'm about to say. But we know what the Confederate flags become now. It's associated yeah. with white supremacy. Yeah. And, and there are other ways to be proud that, that, of being Southern. Hush puppies and cornbread work for me. <laughs> yeah. you know? uh, but so, <clears throat> but when I pass those flags, yeah. 
the way we do our polity, you know, you, when you talk about a parish, you know, you're talking about a geographical area. You're talking about a diocese. Right. You're talking about a geographical area. Right. So I, by nature and by polity, asking myself the question, when I drive by those flags and those homes that have them draped outside, I'm not asking, I wonder what, you know, I'm glad they're not on my church rolls. I'm right. asking, how can I serve my people with whom I so deeply right. agree? Yeah, um, there's. I've got to keep remembering. Wow, those folks probably would not like me, and I really struggle <laughs> with what they would say. Right. How do I serve them? And that that's attention. You know, yeah. it's attention you want to keep. That's you great. Know? That's good. Well, I I mean. I, um, I, we need to start to wrap it up. I feel like this okay. conversation, we could, I feel like we could keep going for a while because there's oh, so many okay. other things yeah, that sure. come to mind. Um, you know, and, and I do want to say, um, again, the whole book is excellent. My favorite okay. part was the postlude. Ah, okay. And I felt yeah, yeah. like in the postlude, I mean, throughout the whole book, it's, very, it's autobiographical in an appropriate sense. Like mm-hmm. you kind of said, you're reading your own li- your life through the lens of Christ. And, and I yes. think it's done beautifully. But there's uh, a personality that's offered through or a deepness of your story that's offered in the postlude that I think mm-hmm. ties it all together nicely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. folks, if you do buy the book and if you're, if you're the kind of people that buys a book and you put it on the shelf saying, I'm going to read it someday, and I get that. Believe me, I get yeah. it. Me too. Yeah, me too. right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Read the po- – well, read the prelude or – yeah, read the beginning. Is it a prelude or – yeah, read it's the prelude. And then read the postlude because it's there. There's beautiful stuff in the postlude. Um, Jake, you're you you're working on a book right now. What book are you are you working on? I don't have a title for it yet, but I'll tell you that it's about hope. Okay. Uh, the um, it, it, the I'm influenced by several things, but let me. I'll tell you what I wrote today. Yeah. Uh, that that I meant to crystallize things. I choose. I chose this morning. Uh, to stay alive. Hmm. I chose that every single day of my life so far. Yeah. It's not just a choice among others. It's the choice. Yeah. We choose to stay alive because we've found a reason to stay alive. Mm. And what we love, what we love is the reason we stay alive. And Christians call that hope. Christians call that hope. Oh, wonderful. that, That we found something that we love that was, makes it worth living. <clears throat> and I'm really struck that we're in a time when people are struggling to find that. Yeah. It, it's not just because of the suicide rates, which, by the way, are increasing and frighteningly high. Yeah. But, you know, uh, you know Victor Frankl? The oh, yeah. Man's Search guy, for Meaning? Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, great stuff. He said that he said, you know, you can identify a crisis of meaning, and I take that to be crisis of hope. Yeah. When you see people who are depressed, mm-hmm. you see people turn to violence, and you see people turn uh, to, to uh, into addictive behavior. Yeah. Well, we're doing all three of those things in yeah. epidemic proportions. And so that's why I'm writing a book about hope. And, and it really turns on the idea that we... We, uh, well, you know, I'm stealing from dear old Paul, chapter wow. 13 of First Corinthians, but sure. we, hope really derives from love. Yeah. 
And the the power and the the danger mm-hmm. of that freedom yep. in human life is that we can love things that won't really sustain us. Mm. And when when we, when we love things that pose as our they're all tillics, and if we mentioned yep. them early, <laughs> as an ultimate concern, right? All, we we lose what we need to keep going. Mm. Uh, so that's really what this next book is oh, about. It's fantastic. I'm waving my way through it, and I'm well, hoping it'll come out next year or the other one after that. Well, let me know for sure. And and listeners, if you want to give suggestions of titles, um, you can send yeah. those to 12enough at gmail.com. Um, and yeah. No, yeah, sure. Send And um, just make sure there's at least one colon with a subtitle in it. Otherwise, <laughs> it just doesn't, it doesn't count. Now, if you want Ouch. to do a colon Ouch. and then an m-gram and a, then a dash and an ellipses, you can go nuts with it, but at least one colon <laughs> with a subtitle. Otherwise, all the academics will, will eschew it. They'll say, no, it's not a real book. If there's there no, you go. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> I do want to encourage listeners to also go to jakeownsby.com. And Ownsby is O-W-E-N-S-B-Y. So jakeownsby.com where you can see all the stuff that Jake's doing. Um, and see his past books that he's written. And um, if it's anything like the um, uh, Resurrection Shaped Life, I'm sure they're also quite, quite excellent. And if you are in Western Louisiana and you want to go to worship service where Jake might be, good luck, because I'm sure you are just moving from parish to parish. Um, uh, yeah, there are 44 of them. There are 44, and I'm in a different one every week. Where's the, is there a cathedral that you have? There is. It's in Shreveport, which is in the northwest corner of, um, of Louisiana, and it's a, a beautiful Gothic revival building. So here's what you do, right listen. Go to, go, I do. Oh, you're there. So go to Shreveport, yeah. and yeah. and if it's like any appropriate cathedral, there should be a chair there just for the bishop. There is. Go and yeah. sit in that chair and say, I came from 12 enough. And and Jake will say, then you can stay here for the rest of the service. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? Take a selfie. Yeah, take a selfie. Find me on Facebook. <laughs> you know what? Tag me. Say, hey, Owensby, I've I was, got your chair. I was in your chair. Where were you? <laughs> <laughs> Make some proclamation from the chair and, and see if it there comes you go. true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, it's been fantastic to have you on the show. I hope to have you on again. Yeah, we can pick Thank any you. topic. I'd love to do that. I really appreciate the time, Jonathan. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Excellent. Thank you. There it is, the conversation I had with Jake Owensby. I don't know why I sang that, but wasn't that nice? You got more music than you normally get for free. For free. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I, it's, I think it's great to you know, take a moment and think about how the resurrection impacts our life in the here and now. Um, it's not just a pie in the sky when you die by and by. That's a lie. Well, maybe not a lie. I mean... I think when I go to heaven, there's going to be pie. There's going to be a lot of pie. Oh, Thanksgiving's coming up. I can't wait for pie. I really like pie. Uh, This podcast is brought to you by pie. Pie, pie, pie. 
So I hope you enjoyed that. If you want to, I want to encourage you to go check out, I was just about to tell you where, if you want to learn more, but, you know, go check out Jake's website, jakeownsby.com, J-A-K-E-O-W-E-N-S-B-Y, period, C-O-M, and, you know, see the other stuff he's working on. Um, you know, it's a good thinker, really good thinker. If you want to leave a comment about this podcast or any other podcast, uh, or send a note or anything, you can do that by sending me an email. I still get emails at 12enough at gmail.com. Uh, you know, feel free to send anything that you want, even like if you want to say something like, Malone, you go on too long at the end. Just You, you can just end the episode three minutes earlier than you normally do. Let me know, because I don't know, maybe you like this. Maybe this is what you live for. Uh, if you want to, so that could be sent to 12enough at gmail.com. Go to the show no, show page and you can find out, read the show notes at 12enough.com. Again, 12 is written out. Go to Facebook. Uh, every Go to Facebook because, you know, they don't have enough power as it is. But you can have agency over some of that power by going to the 12enough part of the Facebook, the Facebooks, and just, you know, liking us, following us, seeing what's going on. And the best thing you can do is bow down to our um, Apple overlords and go to iTunes and rate and like the show. Give us as many stars as you'd like. Uh, put a, Write a comment about the show. That really does help. That's probably the most that anyone can do to help just share um, about this show. Well, there's more you can do. You can tell your friends about it. You can just download it on as many different devices as possible. Just keep downloading it. Grab other people's phones, download an episode, grab someone else's um, device, download an episode, just download like crazy. It's a downloading spree. Wouldn't that be fun? It's fun. Uh, and I think that's it, right? Well, yeah. So, thank you very much for listening. Twelve Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your hosts were Jonathan Malone, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island, and Jake Owensby, the Right Reverend Jake Owensby. He's the bishop of the Episcopal Church in Western Louisiana. Uh, music is by Charlie Eastman and Andrew Malone. Thanks, buddies. You guys are great. Uh, if you want the thoughts, ideas, ruminations, opinions, the feelings, the expressions of judgment and expressions of acceptance. And all other things mentioned on this podcast do not reflect their churches, their diocese, their head bishops, their foot bishops, and all other bishops there within, or anything else. Good jokes, bad jokes, and all jokes to the others. They do not reflect anything uh, that they're related to at all. These are their own ideas. This is their podcast. 